2020, episode 337. President of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In, in an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life. And I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism. And if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, host of Ion2020, getting down to the last week of the 2020 election. Wow, this is insane that we're finally here. That I mean, I started this thing back in January 2019, been going ever since. Talking about the election, it starts off with the whole Democratic primary, which was a complete debacle. Uh, ten, ended up with everyone dropping out, you know, literally the weekend before Super Tuesday for some reason when several other candidates were kind of beating up on Joe Biden. Joe Biden hadn't even won New Hampshire or Ohio, but he was going to win South Carolina. But other places, he was most likely not even going to win those. And then they ended up, you know, everyone that was the strongest contenders ended up dropping out like the week before uh, the week before Super Tuesday, except for... Bernie Sanders, of course, because he really wanted to sway the Democratic uh, platform. So he wanted to be able to push that platform as far socialist as he could by guaranteeing his voters to Joe Biden. So anyway, uh, ends up Joe Biden gets this thing, and now we're going through the whole Trump versus Joe Biden thing. You would never expected COVID-19 to just smack us right in the face in February and into March. Uh, Most of the show's since then, I've been basically not just focused on the election, but focused on the world events that are going on. But I did some world event shows every so often as well. One of the things that I used to talk about a lot was like anti-war stuff, because uh, I am an anti-war uh, person. I believe that you know our federal government should not be out there dropping bombs on other countries. Yeah, if we're going to have any type of defense at all, it should be an actual defense, not an, an offense over in some random countries uh, for the last 19 years. But I used to do a lot of shows about every so often I do a show about that as well. But uh, today I wanted to talk a little bit about a little bit of information that's kind of off the election, but I'll kind of tie it back into the election in a second. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was this article I found on Mises.org, and I did post it on I and the Empire on the uh, website on the empire.com as well as on the Facebook page and I spoke, link, linked it on the Twitter 
account as well for Eye on the Empire. So if you want to check those out, you can. But it's it's an interesting concept. Is how it says how to limit social media's power without uh, growing government. And I've always thought about how you can possibly do that because the re- and I talked about this on a on a shows on a show a couple weeks ago that there there's got to be ways to really focus on limiting the social media platform's power to limit speech. And this article kind of gets into a really good point, and I wanted to share that with you as well, because my thought process on this whole idea of limiting the power of these companies to basically dictate the speech that we say, because a lot of the things that we do online, we're self-censoring. We really are. If you go into a Facebook group that's a private group, I'm a member of several, people are going to talk way more openly about their libertarian principles and ideals than they would on their personal Facebook page. I mean, I'm the same way because I know that my friends and my family don't really want to sit there and hear about my political views constantly. You, I mean, I've heard different podcasters say the same thing. I think Mark Clare on the Lions Liberty said it on one of his shows this week, he was saying, yeah, it used to be before I had the podcast, I'd be out there just preaching the gospel of Ron Paul and all my friends were sick of hearing about it. And then whenever I started my podcast, I was able to be a little bit more normal around my friends and talk to them and so forth. And that's the same case with, with, uh, with a lot of us who are libertarians. We do self-censor in some ways around our friends. Um, but we also self-censor online and you'll see that through the way that you talk on your personal Facebook or on your personal Twitter account versus on other accounts and through different groups as well. I mean, the I and the empire is way different than what I do on my personal account as well, just because uh, I know there's a different audience and so forth. But the other thing about self-censoring is that we self-censor based upon what we hear happening in the world. For example, if you know that if you talk about a specific issue or if you share a specific web page or if you share the for example the New York Post article about Joe or uh, about Hunter Biden a couple weeks ago in that computer that they found, you're going to self-censor it because you don't want to lose your content. You don't want to lose access to your Facebook or your Twitter page. You don't want to lose access to that social media platform that you have. So you're going to make decisions to self-censor based upon that. Same thing with like InfoWars and Alex Jones. Yeah, the guy is a little bit whacked out sometimes. The guy uh, has a lot of conspiracies and stuff like that. He's a true believer in these things. And they censor him. And then if you tried to share something like that on Facebook or on Twitter or one of his posts, you're going to have a very hard time getting that on as well because you're going to self-censor. You're going to know what to say and what not to say. And the crowds kind of control you at that point. The government doesn't have to because the crowds do. And then if you get way out of line, then the government can step in and do it. Or the Facebook Facebook itself can step in and do that. But the more they censor, the more we start to realize what we can say and what we can't say in order to continue on the platforms. And then we even then we censor ourselves even more and even more until it becomes like the politically correct idea and so forth. Like people will not say certain things in society now because they have to be politically correct. You don't tell a racist joke because it has to be politically correct. 
and not that racist jokes are good or anything like that. It's just something that like you would see people doing in the seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties, early nineties. But now we know not to not that that is inappropriate, obviously. But those are things that people do to self censor. But we do it on even more of a grand scale as well with the way that we critique society now, things of that nature. So you get to wondering that there is there is something going on with Facebook, Twitter, the social media companies in order to get you to self-censor, to push you towards being a little less controversial online in order to not share something that might be deemed as fake news. And if you do, then you're going to be cut off. Or if you get too controversial, then you're cut off. Like there's lots of things that are going on in order to make you self-censor. And then if not, then they censor you. But at some point, it comes government censorship later on down the road. And where does it end, right? Where does it end? So we need to get a handle on this whole thing with the social media giants that have so much power. They have so much power to control the news flow that we have. For example, like CNN, MSNBC, those companies, they're not talking about this whole Joe Biden case with the, or not Joe Biden, but the Hunter Biden thing with the, with the laptop and all the revelations that are coming out about things that are on that laptop. And they're possibly true. There's no, there's nothing that proves that they're not true. And there's nothing that proves that they are true, but there's information that's, that's corroborated elsewhere that shows that there's some truth to what's going on in there. You don't see it on CNN or MSNBC. To them, it becomes fake news or Russian propaganda or Russia's trying to manipulate the outcome of the election. Last minute things that they're trying to do. Like that's, that's what they're talking about over there. You go into Fox News and they're doing interviews with Hunter Biden's alleged you know, business partner who knows all this stuff that talked to him, that was along for the ride. And he's corroborating this thing. And you don't hear anything anywhere else. You don't see it on New York Times. You don't see it on Politico.com. You don't see it on Reuters. You don't see it any of the news, the, the, the locations that you go for in the news. You're not seeing it. And are those companies making decisions because they don't want to be targeted by Facebook or Twitter? That's possible. And then if you do share any of that information on Facebook or on Twitter, will they cut you off as an individual? It just blows my mind the way that this particular you know, this particular news story has been covered in the news because MSNBC, CNN, clearly the editorial people, the people behind the scenes want Donald Trump out. They don't like the guy. They don't think he's good for the country, whatever. So they are making editorial decisions based upon a specific political agenda. And so are a lot of news companies. And then Fox News, obviously, they don't want to see Joe Biden elected. They want to keep Trump in in power and all that, right? So they're going to have a specific leaning as well. But there's a political agenda at hand. And the social media companies are the ones that they're the purveyors of the of the of the stories. They're the 
they're the t- public square. They're the the roadways to get the news to the people. And they've also become the ones that are deciding and selecting on what is what is talked about and what's not talked about. I mean, as soon as the New York Post released this story, they shut down their Twitter account. They shut down the Facebook account. I don't know if it's still shut down at this, time, at this point, but they don't allow that story to get out there. And would would CNN take notes on that and say, you know what, we're gonna do, we're we're gonna make a decision not to go after this story because we don't want to be shut down on a very a very powerful piece of technology that we that we the tool that we use to get our message out there to the public. Who knows? I mean, that could be what they're making decisions on. So in some ways, not only are the social media giants in control of free speech now, but they are also in control of free press in some way also. And then that comes down to the self-censorship, the way that we're self-censoring in society in order to make sure that we still have access to the platforms, that we are not looked at as the crazy person, that we don't get uh, canceled by the whole cancel culture that's out there, all that stuff. But how do we limit the power of these companies? That was the question that I was wondering in my mind, because I just, you know, it's hard to figure out with such powerful influence that these social media companies have, how would you go after them without adding more regulations, without adding more laws? And then I thought to myself, it must have to come down to the people and the people deciding to move away from those platforms. That's why I was thinking to myself, and I said it on the show, that I was considering the idea of trying to get a movement going to, you know, cancel Facebook and Twitter for a day for one day, fix an arbitrary date, and we're going to go ahead and cancel Facebook and on Twitter for one day. And we can get people like Joe Rogan on board. If we can get people that are podcasters on board, we can get people that have a huge audience on board and talking about it for a month or so. Then you could probably get one, two, three, four million people that would cancel it for a day. And then at that point, there's less advertising money going to these companies for that day because obviously every time someone swipes through and sees an advertisement that's a couple pennies going to Facebook and if they're missing out on you know 15 20 million dollars that day because of that then maybe just maybe we can make a stand but then I start reading this article and the reason why the social media companies have <laughs> the have the platform that they do is because of a specific law that protects them from liability protects them from liability and i'll go over that in just a second um the liability so i've talked about this in the past as well so bear with me while i get into this you start a limited liability company or a corporation and it protects the individual shareholders of that company it's a legal law that that you start like you start a company but there's legal precedent there's legal laws that the government has established business laws in different states that allows you to have limited liability in the courts if you're an owner so let's say I start an LLC and it's a sole member LLC right I'm the sole member of that LLC and I start this company 
and the co- and I start doing something bad under the company's name, I have and somebody comes and sues the company because something that I did broke or I did shoddy work and it broke, then it shelters me from the liability on that. They can only sue my company. They can't sue me. They can't come up from my, my personal assets. So there's a sort of a incentive there. Obviously, if I'm a business owner, I want to do the best work I can possibly do. But since I'm not going to grasp the entire burden of any liability, then I'm not going to take full measures to protect protect everything, right? But I'm going to have to be more willing to take more risk than I otherwise would have because I can... Because I'm protected. My personal assets are already protected. But that's a legal law that's been set by the government. That's not how things would be in a free market system. Yeah, you would have groups of people that get together to start businesses and so forth. And you might sell shares. You're not going to have legal protection by the government in any system that was a sort of stateless system or in a free market laissez-faire capitalist system you would not have that legal protection per se in any situation because you would all suffer some sort of liability and it would force the shareholders and the owners of the businesses to take every measure and take less risk and so forth the risk is good for the market that's true and some companies might take more risk than others some of these groups might take more risk than others but in the legal system that we have now the liability is not there and now we've even gotten to the point where we socialize the losses as well because a large company can go to the government and get them not only to protect them from liability, but if they take losses for the year, then they could go to the government and say, hey, we need a bailout. And they could socialize the losses. So when we get into the legal framework of the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world, not only do they have the legal protection, but they also have the protection of, uh, I got to find the, find the wording on it in the article, but there's a section of the, um, uh, communications decency act, I think is what it was. And that in one of the sections, it talks about, okay, it's section 230 of the communications decency act. And it says, um, I'll have to find it really briefly because I'm just going to skim skim through the story because in the Communications Decency Act, it allows these companies to basically, if there's stuff going on over their airways, so if you're communicating through the airways, that the AT&T or the you know, communication company is not going to be held liable for stuff that happens on their platform, per se, so that is a legal precedent that was set. That was legal protection that was set. So that if I'm talking about something over the phone with somebody, that AT&T would not be held liable for whatever was said over the phone. So let me find it really fast and I'll, and I'll go ahead and, uh, and follow through on this. So Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, it says this was people... these. This was a special immunity from liability for user-posted content so long as the company was acting as a platform open to all comers. Think common carrier rules like with the phone company. So that was given to online companies 
that, and this is in 1996, that as long as they opened it up to all people as a common carrier, then they would not have the liability that goes along with stuff that's happening on their platform. And then he goes on, ironically, an original selling point of Section 230 was to prevent censorship by creating a safe harbor so companies could let people express themselves online. And that's how Section 230 worked for the first 20 years. On the understanding that active censorship would convert an online platform into a publisher with the same liability exposure as, say, a newspaper. From a business perspective, this this platform-publisher distinction was essential for social media companies because liability exposure would mean either ruinous lawsuits for crazy things users say, or it would require an army of content moderating lawyers to meticulously pre-approve the 500 million tweets per day that are sent on Twitter. This means up until 2016 that social media companies were very careful to maintain a hands-off policy allowing essentially all legal speech so they wouldn't lose the shield. So they have the shield from Section 230 of the Communication Communications Decency Act in order to shield them from any liability for what's being said. And that right there, my friends, is the problem, is that these companies... There's a sort of, there is a free market per se in the exchange of ideas, but things have gone so far that people are doing whatever they want to online, and that's fine, but these companies are just a platform at that point, and now they're trying to draw things back. Now the companies are making editorial decisions to draw things back. So let me get further into the article then with you. So some people have been talking about, uh, and he says it in here, that the FCC director has proposed narrowing 230 immunities back to what they used to be so that these companies will stop doing the censorship or uh, if they start doing the censorship then they will have the same liabilities that other people would have and then the other thing this uh, he says in this article these solutions highlight that social media censorship isn't a binary question of market versus regulation rather it's a question of existing government intervention now being used to censor rather than uh, give voice Indeed, the pure free market's position would be repealing 230 altogether so that Twitter or Facebook face the same liability as the New York Post, indeed as you and I. And then at that point, these companies would either decide that they're going to allow things to happen or they would start having to uh, regulate themselves in some ways. And then he says, the alternative to reforming 230, of course, is to leave it to the free market. After all, MySpace was the dominant platform until Facebook came along. Unfortunately, the market isn't as competitive as it used to be. Conservative-friendly social media startups such as Gab and Parler have faced a gauntlet of harassment and choking points from being denied bank accounts or payment accounts to being denied essential services like web hosting and hacker protection and so forth. Uh, He says, so... He says basically that there is not really as good of a a competitive market as there was in the beginning of the whole social media thing with Web 2.0 and all that when MySpace got itself started and then Facebook came along and kind of took over the market. Um, These companies have the 230 protection, so waiving that because obviously, like I said earlier in the show, the government passing laws that protect people from specific liability is something that 
that would not exist in the free market as it is. Same thing with the corporate liability that that these companies have as well. So allowing things to be open in the free market is a good thing. And maybe that is the solution, you know? Um, You can be a social media platform that says, hey, we're a free market of ideas. If you want to be a member of our free market of ideas, then you have to sign this waiver and this agreement that says that you are not going to sue us for your feelings getting hurt on our platform and then have some rules laid out specifically on how people can interact on that platform as well. 230 protection is probably allowed for a lot of the other companies that come out there trying to take market share from Facebook and Twitter and so forth from having the ability to compete as well. Because anytime there's regulation, anytime there is government regulation is going to hinder in some ways a lot of the the competition that's out there also. It eliminates competition. And that's why the next article that I posted earlier today as well was from Reason.com. It says, Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg to Congress, please regulate us. And then it has, in parentheses, wink, wink. Because everyone knows that these companies, and I said this on a show before as well, everyone knows that these companies are really interested in the idea of more regulation because it does give a barrier to entry for their competition to not get into, or that they that it gives a barrier that they won't be able to get into the market as well. It'll make it more expensive for them to the market. They'll have to hire a director of compliance, a director of uh political debate and all this crap, you know, like there's so many different things that they'll have to hire as long as there's regulation that goes along with it. So the government regulates in order to make it so it's harder for other people to compete. Same thing with licensing laws and so forth. If you have a licensing law that says, I can't just go up out there and open up a barbershop, I got to get licensed first. I got to take, you know, 200 hours of classes on haircutting before I could go open up my own barbershop then it's going to limit competition. I mean, let my laurel stand on my own in the free market, right? If I can't cut hair, no one's going to come get their hair cut for me. But if I do a damn good job cutting people's hair, it doesn't matter if I'm licensed or not. Come on down, raise barbershop, baby. You know, but that's not the way it works in the, in the world that we live in. So regulation does hinder competition. And maybe some of these regulations that are out there are doing that. Um, and this gets back to the election now. So we're sitting there looking at an election where the last two weeks or so, the the Facebooks and the Twitters of the world have really shut down any debate at all on or anything negative about Joe Biden. If you, I bet if you post something about Joe Biden as negative, like it might be flagged as fake news or whatever, you know? And I've actually seen several things that have, have gone flagged as fake news that were showing that Joe Biden, you know, did this or did that or whatever. And it's just an interesting time that we live in that we're sitting there looking at complete lack of respect for free speech, of open communication, and it's just it's just sad. Now, we do have podcasting. There's a lot of great podcasts out there that you'll listen to, and, uh, and it's just, it's the one last place that you can be, I guess, that's going to be open and free for the time being. At some point, though, uh, it'll start to get shut down and people will start to do the self-censoring that I talked about earlier, where people like me might have to say a little bit less 
about this candidate or that candidate or this government regulation or that government regulation. And it'll come from society first. But I don't know if you know this. When society starts doing things, when things are starting to, you know, when society starts doing things, the government jumps in front. And what they do at that point is they start trying to lead the parade towards that end goal. Just like, it wasn't really the government that got the weekend started. It wasn't. They didn't pass some law that started the weekend. People became more productive and they started demanding, you know, the, the people that were the workers were being more productive. They were working harder and they were asking for more time off and you get the weekend because of that. Child labor didn't happen or child labor laws came into place after children already started to get out of the workforce. So people, the society starts moving in the direction of less kids working, less kids working, less kids working. And then the few kids that are left working, people look at it and say, oh, these kids shouldn't be working. And the government goes and passes a law that says they can't work. Well, we already got past that. The idea of kids out there laboring and doing the heavy lifting and the hard work. Same thing with vacations, same thing with 401ks, same things with different savings accounts and health accounts and stuff like that. The government jumps out in front and acts like it's them that did it. And that's going to happen if we start demanding less free or less speech. If we start asking for the regulation of this speech, if we start asking for the limitation on speech on Facebook and on Twitter and so forth, and it seems like our society is starting to go towards that more asking the government to do more and more and more and asking them to regulate us more and more. And to me, that's a sad state of affairs. But we still have podcasting, you know? We still have the internet. We still have media. There's still a lot of media outlets out there. I know they canceled InfoWars like this. You can still go to InfoWars.com and you can still go there. I mean, I'm not a member of that. But, I mean, he, I think it was Alex Jones who was like the first person that really got canceled. No, there was others as well. But he was one of like the more mainstream, I guess, and he's not really that mainstream, but he's one of those people who was very controversial, and they canceled him. And then they can't. Then they start slowly start canceling others, and more and more, and it, it causes other people to self censor. There's gonna be less Alex Joneses out there on the internet, or people that spout that same material as Alex Jones because they're f- afraid to lose that platform. So they still have their individual platforms, but I'm sure there's a way to shut those down if they wanted to. And especially the federal government can shut it down as well. So that, that's the scary part. Um, we are just getting into the election, man. It's on Tuesday. You guys will be seeing the, or seeing, I mean, have a general idea on who's going to be president. I think that, I mean, I'm looking at the polls and it seems like Donald Trump is so far from potentially winning uh, the the election, and it seems like Joe Biden is probably going to be the president. Uh, I'm not going to make any call, though. I honestly don't count out Donald Trump's supporters, man. It's really crazy. It really is. But, I mean, I was talking to my father the other day, this, the other day and uh, he was very adamant against a certain candidate and so forth. And I mean, I got to thinking about it, man. And let's be honest. Let's be honest. And I think I'm going to do my show about this on Monday. Let's be honest. 
if Donald Trump wins or if Joe Biden wins, it's not going to change the world any more than it already is, man. Um, you'll have a more social leaning, socialist leaning country slightly, you know, but Donald Trump is not the fiscal conservative that y'all dream of. And Joe Biden is not the raging communist that everyone, that people think that he is, or the, the savior of the world that some people think that he is or whatever. Um, the world is not going to change. We're still going to have troops over in Afghanistan, troops over in Iraq that are drone bombings are going to still continue. People, there's still going to be a genocide going on in Yemen. I mean, very little is going to change on the foreign front. Social security is still going to be on a path to bankruptcy. Medicare and Medicaid are still going to be having problems. We're still going to have $27 trillion in debt racking up more and more every single day, no matter who it is, guys. This is the problem with the federal government, and that is not... The, the federal government is, is a direct reflection of the society that we live in, a society that asks for more out of its government, and the politicians are be willing to give it. We, and I used to say this all the time on this show, we need to change the culture. That's what we need to do. We need to have a self-dependency culture. We need to have a culture of people who do not expect more from their government, but expect less from their government. We need a more libertarian society of self-dependency, community-driven, working to help ourselves and our families and our communities and not expecting it from the federal government. But that's what we do in this culture that we live in now. Everything has got to come from the top. Every time we ask for something, we want it to come from the top. And that's the wrong place to be. Donald Trump in power after January or Joe Biden, two sides of the same coin, man. They are both major raging statists who want to control your money. And that's it. That's it. It just comes down who it gets distributed to afterwards, you know, and that's all it really comes down to. Hey, guys, I appreciate you joining me for another look at this crazy 2020 election cycle that's going on, looking at the news and everything else as well. Uh, I appreciate you sharing the show with your friends. The numbers on the show go up every single day. Every show gets more and more listeners every week. I'm breaking records, and that's phenomenal. I'm so appreciative that you guys are sharing this show with your friends. I also uh, appreciate those that give five-star ratings and reviews. Go ahead and do that on Apple iTunes if you can, or on Apple Podcasts if you can. Uh, just type in I am, the Emp- or I, am, I am 2020, then when it comes up, you can scroll on down and give me that five-star rating review. Uh, and then check me out on IamTheEmpire.com and through Facebook and on Twitter. You just search it there as well. You can message me if you want through the Facebook app. And then the best thing you do, though, is to come on back on Monday so you can have clear vision for 2020.